Chubb splits out to the top of the screen. Quick throw and picked off. The deflection and intercepted by Highsmith. Touchdown. What a start for the Steelers. Hello and welcome back to The Real Steel, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS, just The Real Steel. I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt, and joining me is my statastic co-host, Polt. Steelers are coming off a Monday night football win, but that game was anything but pleasing to watch. Did you get much sleep last night, Polt? Because I sure didn't. No, not much at all. I mean, I don't want to sound like an, like an old man complaining, but th- that is the worst part about watching Steelers football in primetime. It's not, it ends late. And then did they just get your emotions up that you can't go to bed right away? And it's, it's frustrating, but a win's a win. And I'm happy to, I'm happy we were able to pull it out. Yeah. It's bad win or lose on night games. I think, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to add is, you know, we normally text a good bit during the games, Yeah, but we went back and forth the entire game last night, the entire game. It was like every single game or every single play during that game I had to comment on. There was something to come on coming on on every play. There was some some of the craziest plays, some of the best plays, some of the worst plays. I mean, some things we've never seen before. There was a lot to talk about last night and it took like what, four and a half hours or something or four yeah. hours. Seemingly the longest game I can remember in a while. I mean, yeah. the just just ridiculous. Um, you know, we talked last episode, I think about some of the lessons that we learned. I think there were some more lessons that, that we learned even from this game, which we'll get into, but I think we should give a little bit of a game recap to start kind of like we did last season. If that sounds good to you. Yeah. Much Um, more game to recap. So let's do it. So let's do it. Okay. So obviously here, the Steelers eked out a win 26 to 22 against the Cleveland Browns division rival at home Monday night. But as we mentioned, Boy, was it sloppy. Um, the Steelers jumped ahead early with a pick six by Alex Highsmith, the first play of the game. But we proceeded to let up a field goal and a touchdown. We committed a penalty on the extra point and then allowed a two-point conversion before we finally somewhat answered with a field goal. Uh, we caught a break halfway through the second quarter with a long touchdown. That was the picket to Pickens play, the 71-yard touchdown. Yeah. But the Browns put up a field goal before the half. Um, and so the Steelers went into the locker room up 16-14. to 14. The second half, we opened with a field goal. Um, we got the ball right off um, right after halftime and uh, another touchdown and a successful two point conversion by the Browns followed that. And then there was no more scoring uh, until a fumble recovery for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And that's what put the Steelers up 26 to 22. That was the final score of the game. So let me hit just a couple of things before I pass it over to you. I have a couple, couple sure. breakdowns. And for the listeners, I think this episode is going to be pretty stat heavy. We, we both have a lot of different stats that we're going to kind of throw out lots of numbers here, but I think that's going to kind of dictate the the mood here or kind of the attitude that, that we have from this game. So um, 12 possessions for the Steelers. That's not counting the two plays at the end of the game and, and the garbage clock management one play kneel down before the end of the first half. So yeah, technically 14 drives, but 12, um, in terms of like actually having our offense ready to do something of those 12, two turnovers, seven punts, two field goals, one touchdown Steelers gained just over 200 yards passing. Most of that came from that 171 yard play, the picket to pick and touchdown 55 yards rushing. So that's 255 total yards as a team, nine first downs, 24 minutes time of possession. So we completely were dominated there. If you couldn't tell, it felt like our defense was on the field like the entire second the entire half of the game. game. Um, didn't make it. This this gets me. We didn't make it into the red zone once. We were 4 of 14 on third downs, averaged 4.8 yards per play. Our offense scored 12 points. We missed a two-point conversion, and our defense scored two touchdowns. So you heard that right. Defense outscored the offense. I mean, 14 to 12. All this to say, right, this goes down on on the schedule as a win. Thank God. But that was one ugly freaking game where our offense couldn't do a thing and our defense bailed us out yet again. Yeah. And well, when you say the we say the defense outscored the offense 14 to 12, that's true. But it also required two 50 plus yard field goals, a 52 and a 50 yard field goal from Chris Boswell, who shout is, out boss. Shout out to Boz. Boz has been unbelievable. Um, let me see if I can pull up the stat real quick. He's been really, really good from 50 plus yards, especially 
in Pittsburgh. And I, and I think that's huge. So it's not even like we, we got the ball that far downfield. Like you said, we didn't even get into the red zone. We had to get bailed out by, by our defense or, or by Boswell kicking long field goals. But I, I think this game started off like crazily. I mean, that first play, pick six off the bobble. I mean, that was awesome. Great return by Alex Highsmith. I think that's – did I see this right? It was the first touchdown the Steelers have scored in the first play. First defensive touchdown, maybe, the Steelers have ever scored in the first play. Ever? It, it was something crazy like that. Like, they, they have never – they don't do that, or it doesn't happen very often. So I mean, not surprising. Weird. Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty uncommon, I feel like. I, but, but what a high, right? What you instantly – like, every concern you had – Every concern that the fans had from last game are are instantly gone. You're right. like, we, we all thought they'd come out better and, and faster and, and just play better overall, but I didn't think they'd come out like that. Yeah. I mean, the amount of texts I got from that play, yeah. like, what a start, whatever. And and in my head, I'm like, I'm not responding to any of this. It's way too early. It is yeah. way too early to oh, even... Oh, I know. There's, there's, yeah, and, and that's exactly what, the, what happened in the game. Well, and then you go into and, – and just to hit on this because I mentioned and couldn't find it, Boswell for his career is 80.6% from 50-plus yards. He's 25 of 31. That's really, really good, especially from – I mean, I know I know kickers nowadays are supposed to make these long field goals and they're really expected to make them, but being 80, 80% from 50-plus is really good. So to be able to rely on him is is definitely something we're going to need. But, yeah, you talk about that that – interception for the touchdown and then it was nothing our first four drives drives of the game we totaled 44 total yards had two punts a fumble lost and an interception and it was a total of seven or 13 plays in four drives i mean it was terrible we just we couldn't move the ball we, we had almost negative yardage again going into our first drive of the second quarter or our fourth drive of the game it just it seemed like san francisco all over again and it, and it was a horrible, horrible way to start. Yeah, and and you know what's crazy? Um, we are the only team in the NFL without a first down in the first quarter. That's crazy. Thirty-two teams. We're yeah. one of thirty-two, and and we don't have a first down in the first quarter yet. I mean, it's 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 embarrassing, and and we're gonna talk so much about this offense, but yeah. I think. I, I can't go without saying that I'm I'm worried, really worried about Kenny Pickett. I mean, what you said last week is just living in my mind of I don't know if we can win games, you know, on the back of Kenny Pickett. And and it yeah. concerns me because now I'm starting to question if Kenny Pickett actually is our guy or not. And I think and I hope that that this falls to the offensive coordinator, but we point the finger there all the time. And I do think it's warranted. Yeah. Matt Canada sucks. Yeah. So bad. You listen to any type of sports media. Everyone is talking about how bad Matt Canada is, but my concern is that he is, is going to ruin Kenny Pickett. Yeah. There are a few national media people um, today reviewing the game, watching the film that said, actually, this wasn't Matt Canada's worst called game. I, I don't know. Watching it, it seemed pretty bad. Um, but there were some people saying he actually didn't call that bad of a game, which, which makes you feel even worse about Kenny Pickett. Um, I mean, I will definitely, I will definitely warn you, just be patient. I mean, we played two of the best defenses in the league or two yeah. really good defenses For and, sure. and, our, and our offensive line got absolutely annihilated again this week. Um, they were all over Kenny and, and, but there is no excuse. Kenny missed a ton of throws. He did not look comfortable. He, he didn't look – he didn't really do a lot of the things that made us love him last year when he started playing well. He was staring down receivers and not going through progressions and then missing throws. Like some of those – I mean, again, it looked like he did in week one. He just he just missed some easy throws. Like I think about – I think it was in the second half. He had Pickens on a slant route, and he just threw it behind him, and Pickens couldn't catch it. And, and it was at least like a 15-yard gain if he gets it anywhere near him. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of concerning things coming out of this. I think a lot of it is Matt Canada. But I think Kenny Pickett deserves some blame too. He just does not look sharp, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's scared. I don't know if the offensive line being bad is is really affecting him. But the play calling isn't helping him, and I don't think Matt Canada is helping him. But he's got to he's got to figure it out on his own end too, because he looks pretty bad right now. Yeah, he does look bad. I mean, if if we talk statistically here, I mean, Kenny Pickett is right now the worst quarterback in the NFL. 
Um, yeah. There's there's a stat that's floating around on X. Is it X? Is it the X? It's just X. It's just X. Stat Yeah. floating around on X. But it's still Um, Twitter.com, though, if you didn't know. still Twitter.com. Yeah. But but this stat is essentially um, there's a stat in football called expected points added or EPA. Fun fact: we just learned what that actually stood for. Well, I just learned what that actually stood Yeah. for. Um, but out of all the quarterbacks in the league. Kenny is rated 32nd in, in expected uh, points added per play. And it's at a negative 0.3. I don't know what that number means. I don't know what the top of the chart looks like and what some of those guys have in terms of their EPAs, but I imagine it's in the positives. Um, Yeah. uh, you're right. I think, I think Kenny clearly is to blame here. Uh, partially. I, I think something's Yeah. going on. He, he doesn't look sharp. Um, you know, he's missing some throws. He's missing Um, easy throws too. He's Some missing of it's easy just throws. timing routes or easy layups that, and that's, that's the word I keep seeing layups. I mean, he, he is, if you think in basketball terms, he is, he has missed so many layups this year. And, and that is concerning because Kenny always would, always would be the one that would hit the easy ones. Right. It was never the easy ones. We doubted. It was always the tougher throws or the, the throws down the field or whatever. He, he's not hitting any of them. Yeah. It seems like he's regressing and that's a problem. Yeah. And, and you look at a guy who went back and watched all of his incompletions from the previous year. I don't know if you saw that, but there, there was something that said Kenny in the off season watched every single incompletion he had Hmm. Oh, last yeah. year. Yep. Um, I mean, he, he's making some decisions that are like, there was that one throwaway that was out of bounds that What almost was was intercepted. that? It wasn't even out of bounds. He threw it in the Yeah. field. Yeah, and and should have threw it away. You know, he I, he almost can watch Kenny like I don't know if mature is the right word, but there are certain things that like he learns from his mistakes, I think. Yeah. But sometimes he regresses. Like there's there are times when you're like, Kenny, throw it away, throw it away. Um and and sometimes he will, but sometimes he holds on to it. There's there's weird things, but I, I Yeah, think I mean, one I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I heard Dan, because I didn't know if you were moving on, but I heard Dan Orlovsky today. So he's an ESPN uh, analyst, and he focuses mainly on the quarterbacks because he's an ex-NFL quarterback. And he said one of the things he noticed was it seems like he's just throwing the ball too hard. Like he's just trying to zip it in there. And you could probably think of the one where Pickens, he threw it to Pickens down the middle, and Pickens like barely got his head around even, and the ball was already like in his face. Yeah. And you could tell Pickens was not ready for it. And, and that was one of the throws that Orlovsky brought up that it just looks like he's rowing the ball way harder than he needs to. And, and sometimes you just need to take a little bit of gas off and just get accurate throws. And he's not doing that. But here's a good stat for you before you move on. Um, Henny Pickett is the first Steelers quarterback to complete 50% or fewer of his passes, assuming he's thrown 30, 30 throws or more, and win a game since Kent Graham in 2000. Wow. So, I mean, his performance last night was not good, and he still won the game. Um, so it's great that we won, but that's not a good stat that you want to be a part of. Yeah, I think we can transition out of Kenny just with one thing I heard Mike Tomlin say in his press conference today that, you know, if if we shift this to a positive mindset, right, we're, we're looking, looking for more out of Kenny. Here's one thing that I can maybe trust or kind of look to is Tomlin said that Kenny is doing everything correct procedurally. And, and what follows is performance. She said, you do everything right procedurally, performance soon follows. And, you know, Tomlin's full of Tomlinisms, but Yeah. that, that resonated with me a little bit. And it makes sense, right? If you're practicing the right things, they're going to come at some point. So we're not giving up on Kenny yet, but there, No. there is, I think, you know, for fans, at least a reason to be concerned or Yeah. alarmed. Yeah, I think Um, it's concerning, but I agree. You can't give up on him yet. There was so many positives last year towards the end of the year that And and if you go back to his pick career, a lot of this he didn't do. So I think he can turn it around. It's just we might need to be patient. But, I mean, hey, we got a great opportunity here the next two weeks to show what we can do, and, and we'll see what he does. yeah. So where do you want to go now? Do you want to go to the offensive line? Do you want to go maybe to that and, and kind of the run game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the run game because, actually, I have, a, I have a good stat here that can lead us right into that. Um, the Steelers have gone 53% run on first and 10 and second and 8-plus. So any kind of long yardage situations, they run the ball at least half the time. I mean, we sit on our couch and we say that they do that. But because they're 
they're doing that in the loaded boxes, and that means when they have, I think, more guys in the box than than we have blockers. And fifty four percent of those runs are run into loaded boxes. And how'd they do last night? It was twelve rushes for three point eight yards per carry and a thirty three percent success rate and a negative EPA per rush, which isn't good either. It's just, what are we doing? I mean, it, the the run game looks horrible. This line's supposed to be a better line for run blocking than pass blocking and and they can't do anything they're getting destroyed off the ball that two-point conversion i don't know if you've seen that play again um somebody broke it down on twitter and i think dan moore hooked the wrong step with his lead foot james daniels got blown backwards like yep. didn't even move forward it just it looked horrible the line just looks like swiss cheese and i, and I don't get it yeah i don't know what more to ask i mean i have written down here that we need to stop running the ball against a stacked box. I mean, it's yeah. it's blatantly obvious when you watch it. And and that is like, how can you he, here's maybe one one other thing. I get it. Kenny Kenny's a second year guy, but to me, I think if if you have a an experienced quarterback in there, you look at that and you call the second play in your yeah you know, in, in your, on your wristband or whatever, or, or right. you'd call an audible. Yeah. To get out like, of it. Like maybe, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why we, we do what we do. It's, it's the insanity thing. It's doing the same thing time after time yep. and expecting a different result. And it's not happening. Well, and here's the other thing with the run game that I just can't figure out. And it, it, it makes me so, so mad and maybe, and I'll throw something out here that maybe a lot of people don't agree. I don't think, I know Jalen Warren has looked fantastic. And if we want to get into the rushing stats real quick, uh, Najee Harris ran the ball 43 times, 10 times for 43 yards. He had one catch for no yards. Jalen Warren ran the ball six times for 20 yards, um, had four catches for 66. Jalen Warren yeah. looked really good and looks explosive. Yeah. And he is explosive. I don't think this is all on Najee Harris. I, I agree. Think, I think they are utterly misusing the guy. The guy's not a speed he, he doesn't have speed. He's a power runner. He wants to get downhill and run you over. Yeah. Why are they? Why are we pitching? Why are we pitches, pitching it to him? Sweeps. Like they're completely misusing him. Like Jalen Holt Warren. Sure. He has speed. Run those with him. Why aren't we running between the tackles downhill? Why aren't we getting under center and getting him ahead of steam? So he could hit the line of scrimmage with a head of steam. I mean, I just don't get it. And this is where I go into Matt Canna has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't even know his personnel. Agreed. And in that same vein, the the screen passes where we throw it six yards behind the line of scrimmage yeah. and, and a defender can make the tackle at the line of scrimmage. It's like, if you're going to throw a screen, gosh, do anything but what you're doing. It, it's, it, I think it's a personnel thing. Like exactly like you said, we're misusing Najee. There's a lot of talk out there about how, oh, Jalen Warren's a better running back and blah, 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 Which blah. Which Jalen Warren does look good. Yeah, he looks great. And that's not a bad thing. Like, it's no. not a bad thing to have two, hopefully, really good backs. Najee yeah. is not a bad running back. Najee, no. Najee is an amazing player. The, the problem is exactly what you're saying. We're misusing him. And look what happened. Najee had two pretty good breakout runs in the second half, right? And he had I a mean, good one last week, too. Yeah, it's, Najee has it in him. It's just, it, it, the yeah, the blocking behind it, too, is also not helping him making these play calls when it's just not the right time. Um, oh, feel bad for yeah. the guy. Uh, that's <laughs> You bring up a great comment there, using the play calls at the wrong time and the run game. That one drive, Najee, the, the run, the two drives, that, or the one drive that Najee had two nice runs in a row, and then we ran the jet sweep. <laughs> it's like, what were we doing? And I think we lost yards. I'm trying to pull up. I don't remember which drive that we, was. I think we did to Calvin Austin. We lost yeah, yards. We lost yards and it totally destroyed the drive. And it's like, really? Now you chose the moment to run. Yeah, actually, it's right here. Najee ran the ball for 21 yards. Then he ran the ball for 17 yards. Then they brought in Jalen Warren. He ran for three yards. Okay, so first down and 10 run for three yards. Not horrible. Yeah, then fine. Second and seven from the Browns, 39. We ran a jet sweep for negative two yards and now we're back in third and nine and we threw an incompletion and we punted the ball yep i mean it's just like why are we ruining a good drive keep doing what we're doing don't don't try to get fancy or cute or whatever you want to call it and and the play calling it's just i i don't, that's why i don't understand how people are saying it wasn't that bad of a call game but people are saying that 
Yeah, the play calling is bad. I mean, the one thing that I I one one positive take I think I can take from this is George Pickens saw 10 targets, which is awesome. And, and he I think explosive. there's there's no reason why he should be seeing any less than 10 targets a game. I mean, number one, you have Deontay Johnson out, so it should probably be even more. Yeah. But this this dude should get at least 10 looks a game. I mean, we should be throwing him the ball as much as the Vikings sort of Justin Jefferson, as much as the Raiders sort of Devontae Adams, as much as who whoever else throws to whoever else, it's a great duo, yeah. right? It George Pickens should get the ball 10 times a game. I mean, that one, the 70-yard touchdown catch, I mean, he was wide open, but then he's the he made the play. Now, got to give a lot of credit to Calvin Austin there blocking that the field, block, which he did yeah. that on another play. I think he did that on um, Najee's run later. But uh, he ran right in between the two safeties and just outran him and scored a touchdown. Uh, yeah, he's explosive and he's our best playmaker. We got to get him the ball. Yeah, and you mentioned Calvin Austin. I, Calvin Austin is is a guy that has impressed me yeah, a lot. I think so too. Um, from the special team side, I mean, he's really stepping up in, into a, an offensive role. Um, you know, stat line not flashy here. He had he had no. one catch for ten yards, but he had four targets. I mean, Kenny's looking to him. Um, they're obviously involving him in the run game. I would like to see a a trick play other than a jet sweep. I wouldn't call a jet sweep a trick play, but yeah. if we're going to do all that motion stuff, gosh, do a freaking double reverse and, or a flea flicker or something and get him involved in a, a, a more exciting way than a stupid jet sweep. But yeah, you know, I, I think we're seeing pretty good production out of this wide receiver room, even with Deontay Johnson out. The one thing that, that I struggle with is Pat Fryermuth is supposed to be Kenny Pickett's, like, yeah, uh, guy, I guess. And he I had mean, one target, one target for two yards, a two yard catch. And, and I mean, and Wa Darnell Washington had no targets. Uh, Connor Hayward was nowhere involved either. Uh, yeah, I don't get why the tight ends aren't being involved. Again, a misuse of the personnel. These tight ends are really, really talented. Why don't we get them the ball? Yeah. And, and then instead, we decide to throw it to Gunnar Olszewski <laughs> and Gunner, I hope you're feeling better. He's in the concussion protocol, but this guy needs to be cut from our roster. I don't know if anybody wishes for injuries, and I hope you don't. You shouldn't. But him getting injured on that play, he caught at the line of scrimmage, got crushed, fumbled. We lost the ball. That was that was so fitting. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little happy because <laughs> you're terrible. Because I well, no, I don't want him to have a concussion, and I don't want him to get hurt. But after that kickoff, the kick, the the, the kick where he he toe tapped it at the twelve yard line when he could have just stepped out of bounds and yeah. it would have been at the forty, that was terrible. And then then like the next play, he fumbles the ball. I mean, no, I did, did not want him to get hurt, but it was kind of like, huh? Yeah, I'll you tell you had what that coming. Gunner Gunner was in the running for my jag off of the week. I'm gonna pardon him because he got hurt. Yeah, I fair. I think I think this this is this is bad to say, but it's not gonna be a, as bad as what you just said, considering yeah. you're uh, rooting for injuries over here. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, but no. but I think maybe to put it a little bit more lightly, the silver lining was that he left the game. Yeah, like, yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say. Yeah, like he wasn't in the game anymore, and and that probably benefited us. Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate to say, but it's kind of true. It did. Yeah, absolutely. They wanted to get him involved, and we obviously didn't want him involved. But before we move on, I because uh, we're probably going to go to the defensive side of the ball, which is a lot more positive. I have a one positive to lead us there. Talking special teams, I thought Presley Harvin might have punted his best game in the NFL yesterday. Best game as a Steeler. He, he looked awesome. Seven punts for 320 yards, which is a 45.7 yard per punt, which again, you got to take that with a grain of salt. He had a lot of punts from around the 50. And he's 61 yard punt. And you could tell he was pumped. He was fired down, up. Fired up. He was down. I think there was three or four inside the 20. I mean, he looked good. And, and yeah. And man, maybe this is what they saw out of camp, in camp out of him. And this is yeah. maybe this is why he won the job because he looked great yesterday. I mean, field position. We might not have won is, that game without him. I agree. Field position is a huge part of the game, and you could tell. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you or read you a stat here that I think is pretty alarming. It it speaks to our offense, but but just while we're on the topic of Presley Harvin, I mean, similar to what I just said with Gunner, Presley Harvin 
in the running for my balls of steel. I'm not going to do it just because I've been, uh, yeah, I guess bit on it before. Is that the right word? Yeah. I don't know. I, I've, I've eaten, eaten that before. It's come back to bite you. Yeah. Um, but hell of a game. You're totally right. This was his best game. We've seen him. Um, and it was so good And to he see was him consistent. fired up. They, yes. And they showed that one where he, you could hear it. Mm It was -hmm. almost like he was mic'd up and he was yelling. And that It was awesome. was good to see, you know, I think obviously we're going to talk about defense. Our defense won us this game, Yeah. but but our special teams played a great, a significant role with with Boswell's kicking and with Presley Harvin's punting. Let me let me read you this. It, this is just some numbers I pulled together. So we had seven punts, Yep. right? Mm -hmm. Of those seven punts, two of them were from our inside our own thirty-five yard line. We had a punt from our 33 and a punt from our 31. And by the way, those were the last punts for us of the game. Those are fourth quarter punts. Sounds about right. So that's basically saying we were running the ball and Cleveland knew we were running the ball. We were just trying to burn clock. And so three and out, but you, you burn time and you don't get anything out of it. I hate to say I'm okay with that. That sucks. We should be able to run out the clock, but, but I understand that. Our five other punts of those five, only one was in Pittsburgh territory. We punted from the 40. So how about these other four punts? From the Cleveland 48, fine, that's midfield. Cleveland 41, Cleveland 41, and Cleveland 40. We had three times where we punted the ball from their 40-yard line. I know you're not going to kick a 58-yard field goal, which, quite frankly, I honestly think at this point we should try if the offense isn't going to put anything up. Yeah, seriously. But we're... Number one, there's there's multiple points to be made here. Number one, we're not getting, I mentioned we're not getting in the red zone. We're not even getting past their 40-yard line, No. which is awful. Um, the only times we did, I think we kicked field goals. But um, outside of that, I mean, man, you got to come up with freaking better plays on a third and nine to at least pick up five or six yards so that you can have a reasonable field goal attempt. Right. This is ridiculous. Yeah. To punt from the 40-yard line three times. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, I gave you the stat. The first four drives, we had 44 yards. The last four drives of the game, we had 61 yards. I mean, the beginning and the end of the games are just terrible. And the, the middle part's not much better either. Yeah, I, the offense is a, is a work in progress. We'll talk about a game preview. But like I said, I guess we, we did play the 49ers, who might arguably have the best defense in football. The, the Browns... look awesome and their defense looks really really good so maybe we can hang our hat on their two of the best defenses in football but uh, this week against the Raiders it's kind of put up or shut up time uh, it's I, I mean I don't know for for everybody involved Kenny Matt Canada just we gotta we gotta do something better than what we're doing right now Yeah, so so let's transition to defense. And one thing I want to say that that should act as a transition. I know the special teams was an attempt that's that okay kind of derailed no us there. it's okay But but there was there was one point in the game, I think it was the fourth quarter, and and they showed this stat on TV, and it was abysmal. Our our third down conversion rate, we were four of twelve Yep. with an average third down length of eight point eight yards. Yep. Okay, terrible, Which, absolutely terrible. which just to say for Kenny Pickett, that's not easy. Just put that Not out easy. there. Not easy at all for Kenny. However, the silver lining here is once the Browns got the ball, they showed the stat for the Browns. And at the time, they were like four of 13 for an average of 9.8 yards. Yeah. So our defense Played awesome. played, in, played their butts off. Yeah, played incredible. And and it wasn't just the defense. It was the two highest paid guys on the defense or two best players on defense, you could argue. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. And and congrats to TJ. He now has 81 and a half sacks, which now gives Stack him the, leader. the sack leader for all of Pittsburgh history and far less games than guys like James Harrison. So major props, major congrats to, to TJ Watt. But him and Alex Highsmith combined to have 11 tackles, two sacks, three tackles for losses, two passes defensed, six QB hits, one force pump, force fumble, one pick six, and one scoop six. And the scoop six Insane. was off of an Alex Highsmith strip, High Smith. strip sack that went to TJ Watt.
those two guys showed up, scored the 14 points for the defense, and um, without them, we obviously don't win that game. So it's awesome to see TJ just keep doing what he's doing and see how Highsmith get involved as well. Yeah, and and TJ did it in what? I think it's 88 games. I'm trying Something to figure like out how yeah. how many it it took for um you know James Harrison to I get think 80 he was, and a half. I think he was over 100. Yeah. So just oh, yeah. damn impressive for for TJ. And and you know what my one of my favorite things about TJ Watt is is uh how humble he is and the level of respect that he has for his teammates. Um I watched him get interviewed on the field right after the game. Yep. I also watched Tomlin's press conference, which TJ Watt came in afterwards. And, you know, the first thing TJ does is he says, I don't like individual stats. This is not an individual game. It's a team game. I'm surrounded by awesome players. I'm surrounded by really great coaches and family and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that, that was, I mean, awesome to hear TJ say that, but the amount of like, love and respect he has for Highsmith is also awesome. Yeah. Like the first thing he said on the field is he's like, I, I don't do any of this without 56. Yep. Um, and then and 56 that was, gave it right back to him as well. Yeah. That was awesome to me. And then you see DeMarvin Leal come over and put the and crown on their put crowns on both of them. Yeah. That was awesome. So, I mean, you look at those two guys and, and we, we said special teams, but those two guys want us the game. Yeah. I mean, um, the defense as a whole, though, was great. I mean, we had six yeah. total sacks, four forced fumbles, three fumbles recovered, two defensive touchdowns, and an interception. I, I think there was some some guys that jumped out to me, if you don't mind me listing a couple here. Um, I thought Larry Ogunjobi played a really, really good game, and we need to keep in mind, he yep. is still playing injured. He is not 100% healthy, and he, he had a sack early. He seemed to be all over that offensive line early in the game. He kind of disappeared later in the game but early in the game i thought he was our best defensive player um so mm -hmm. i want to give larry o a, a shout out there i thought um landon roberts played a much better game i don't know if his stats he only had two tackles so it doesn't really show it but he really stuffed the run on the the one goal line attempt um i just thought he played with good energy um and then and i think the third guy got to give a you got to give props to, to joey porter jr he came out and had two two great defensive plays his i mean he didn't play very much uh, if I pull up his snap count, it was not very much. Uh, right here, he played, had to be more than seven percent. So he right? played sixteen percent. He played seven snaps last week. He played fourteen this week. So he doubled his snaps, but he had two. He's only credited with one pass defense, but he really had two. He had the one at the end of the game and the one early in the game, and they were both very, very good plays. You could argue maybe a penalty at the end of the game there, but I thought Joey Porter really stepped up in really key moments and, and looked pretty good. Yeah, but it begs the question of of why the hell is he not starting? Because you talk about some of these these good good players, and I got to add to this list. I mean, I will say when when Nick Chubb was in, and and gosh, I hope you know never want to see someone get injured, yeah. and, and especially a guy like that, right? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Nick Chubb can can you know get back to an NFL career because he's he's a hell of a player, even going against him. Um, so that's really unfortunate, but. Um, you know, there are a couple of things I saw, particularly when, when Nick Chubb was running, um, our penetration into the backfield was impressive. Yeah. So impressive, almost to the point that we were back there so quick that when they would get a handoff out, the, the, the running back would be able to beat all of our guys that yeah. were already too far back in the backfield. Right. Like we were just steamrolling this, this offensive line and, and it was so crazy to see but in the same sense it almost kind of burned us a couple of times right because Nick, um, Nick Chubb's such a good back right right and he has patience but he also knows when to just put on the the you know the guns right. and and that was uh really interesting to watch that like I made a, a note that we were really penetrating into the backfield multiple times and you could tell when he went out and it was Jerome Ford yeah there was that one really end around he had the play. 69 yard run but that was a change of fields yeah, and and you could tell like with us getting back there, it really made a difference. Um, and I think so much of that is is due to um, our linebacking core. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple guys, but I think Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb both had really good games as well. Yeah. Um, leading tacklers for the team with nine and eight respectively. So those those guys really turned it on. I think, man, like we talked about in the preseason the linebacking core being one of our biggest question marks going into this 
week sitting here before week three, they're the positional group I feel the most confident and certain in. I know the the linebacking core looks good, and and I agree with you. Some of the uh, the the run defense kind of looks shaky early on, um, but like you said, Nick Chubb is a really really good running back, and he averaged he ended up with 10, 10 carries for sixty four yards. If he plays the rest of the game, he he definitely gets over a hundred. But I think part of it was we had like you said the penetration. He's just such a good back, so. When he went out of the game, though, this kind of backs up everything you're saying. Jerome Ford ended up, if you look at just his stats, he was, had 16 carries for 106 yards. It looks like he did pretty darn well. Well, one of the runs was a 69-yard touchdown run. Mm-hmm. If you remove that, he had 15 carries for 37 yards, which is right. two and a half yards per, per carry. And one of them was a 10-yard play that should have been dead in the water behind the line of scrimmage, too. Right, that's so true. Even if you, So if you take that out... It's and you 14 go 14 for carries 27. for 27 yards. Yeah, right. I mean, so the, the D-line really and the linebacking core really came to play, again, once Nick Chubb went out. But I think I think you got to give a lot of credit to Nick Chubb there, too. He's just an unbelievable player. And he I think he's average. I think I saw, they showed a stat during the game that he averages over five yards, five and a half yards a carry. That's just what he does. And, and, and so I, I felt a lot better about the run defense this week than I did against San Francisco. And you got to give another – got to give a credit to a guy like Armin Watts who who did not who mm-hmm. didn't dress week one came in and played a good number of snaps I believe, um, I can't uh, he played okay twenty two snaps 20, a quarter of the snaps but I I thought he played pretty well and, and made his presence known so gotta give a guy like him in his first game for the in the year like some credit there as well yeah I mean good points let's let's talk a little bit secondary because yeah this this, this is big here I mean just going off what you said with Joy Porter Jr. there is Man, no reason why he he should not be in the starting lineup. Patrick Peterson did not look good. Levi Wallace, I think Levi Wallace might be the worst player on the Steelers roster. Every time God. there's a big pass play, it's it's Levi Wallace that's covering. Like we blitzed and he was playing 10 yards off in coverage. It's like when you're applying pressure, you know they're going to throw the ball quickly. Get I up. just hate watching third and longs. Do you and know watching, they're going for Levi Wallace? Watching the ball fly through the air where you can't see where the receivers in the secondary are, and then it pans over, and you see a wide-open receiver make a catch right on the sideline, yeah. and Levi Wallace eight yards away. Yep. It, not even close. Not even contesting the catch. He's just nowhere to be found. Yeah, Levi Wallace is a problem. Um, hopefully, maybe they're easing. Uh, all right, can I go on a little tangent here? Uh, Let's hear it. I mean, this is two weeks in a row that I, I just have nothing positive to say about Mike Tomlin. I mean, I get <laughs> I get that that this is this is the Steelers and we don't hand anything out to anybody. Fire but why the Canada. Heck, why okay. Yeah. Fire we, Canada. <laughs> and thank you, fans, for doing that. That was awesome. That yeah, that's one thing, and, and we all know that's how he, his loyalty to his coaches is to a fault and it's a problem. But why are his top two picks not playing? Dan Moore rated as the worst. The yep. worst lineman in the NFL for the second straight week. And, yep. And Levi Wallace is getting burned every play. Why are Broderick Jones and, and Joey Porter Jr. not playing every snap? Why? I mean, that's just stubbornness. Like, I know you're trying to you're trying to grow these guys, these boys into men and teach them lessons. And who cares? This is about this business is about winning games. And those two give you a better chance of winning games than the guys who they're not playing or who they're playing behind. And and I have a huge gripe with Mike Tomlin about that. I have a huge gripe with him about um, his challenges. I mean, that first oh challenge, good for him. I didn't know that they that Sean Watson fumbled the ball, so good for him on that one. But that second challenge, he had no chance of winning. And I think he was like 0 for his last five. I don't know if he had won a challenge in three years. Like, I think I saw something online that they're one of the only teams in the NFL that don't have a, a guy who's designated to sit in the box and say <laughs> win the challenge. How many we don't we don't pay our coaching staff enough. Oh. We don't we're we have the smallest amount of coaches, right? But how many years do you do, can you sit there and just watch him lose challenge after challenge and think that it's gonna get better? It's never gonna get better. So oh, yeah. those are my two big gripes of Tomlin. Sorry to distract us from the defense, but I really think the rookie thing needs needs to happen. I agree. Yeah, no, just on that point, I think Tomlin challenges out of frustration rather than, yeah. than when things actually happen. You know, he addressed that in the press conference. He said that with the, um, you know, the first one that he knew that Deshaun Watson had fumbled. And he said with the second one, he said he he thought that the, the one, two, three steps from the receiver, he thought that the second and the third were steps were the first and the second steps. 
And so he said he just wanted to proceed making sure that they got the call right. And, hmm. and I think I, he found a way to fluff that, but I think it's BS. I, I think, I mean, that was a know, big he, loss. I mean, we lost a timeout in the second half when we were trailing most of the second and half. And you know, these are close games and, and those timeouts in, in most cases are going to be valuable. So right. th- it, it, it is totally frustrating. And I'm with you on the rookies. I mean, we got to get Roger Jones in there. We got to get Joey. I mean, Joey Porter has proved it. Roger Jones hasn't, I don't think he's seen a snap yet this year. No, he hasn't had the opportunity. Um, but I'm, I, I feel like we're on the cusp of it. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be soon. I mean, you said it, Dan Moore played terrible. I mean, our offensive line, we're on defense, but our offensive line just all together did not play well. Chooks didn't play good. I mean, no yeah. one really did. So um, I think it's I think it's going to happen soon. Um, the last thing I'll say, just switching back to defense about the secondary, I, I hope um, Minka Fitzpatrick was released from the hospital with a chest contusion. I hope that he's all right and is able to come back. It sounds like everything's okay with him, but when they he... said it was all procedural, well, that's or, good. Or I think that's the word in terms of he just did, doing. He did it. not look good when he left the field. No, he looked like he was going to yak. Yeah, he looked. He looked like he got the wind not, and he was. But he played an awesome game prior. Six tackles, two passes, defense. He was nowhere to be found week one. He was everywhere week two. So yeah. I love seeing that. We need him to come back. You could tell that they were a little bit confused without him in the uh, back there leading the charge so hopefully he's okay i mean at the end of the day i could tell in that second half that the offense wasn't going to win us the game and and i never i didn't say it but i said it to to who i was who i was watching the game with i said we need a defensive score and and just like that the the tj watt fumble recovery for a touchdown and and the rest is history manifest this Right. Keep doing it. Yeah, I'll try. I mean, it, do offense next week. Oh man, that's that's going to be hard. But so I just I love seeing the defense come through. They they really stepped up after that week, that tough week one, and and I think we're back to feeling good about the defense. There's some holes, yeah. but we feel a lot lot better. Yeah, I just I feel. I don't think saying that I feel bad for the defense is is a I normal thing to say, but it's like you could tell especially in the second half of the game, how gassed these guys were. Oh yeah. I mean, you look at how short our possessions were. And and even after that that touchdown, I I look down at my phone and it was like a minute and thirty seconds and they had to run back out there on the field after they kicked the extra point and kick off. I mean, yeah, those guys were so, so tired. We gotta man, we gotta sustain longer drives. Yeah. We have to do that. We have to do that because no, I don't know the last time that I saw a defense score two touchdowns in a game. Our defense scored two touchdowns in a game. It's been a while. So that's not going to happen every game. No. And quite frankly, we're not going to score a touchdown defensively in most games. No, you can't rely so, on them to score more than your offense. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, I guess I have to ready? point out one more thing I, I forgot about. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. This week, this TJ Watt Miles Garrett discussion needs to be over. Oh, I please. mean, the amount of times people say that Miles Garrett's better than T.J. Watt I, when they when they take the same field, it, it is obvious who is better. Here here are the two stat lines from last night: T.J. Watt, four tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, one pass pass deflection, three QB hits, one fumble recovery, one touchdown. Awesome stats. Miles Garrett, who everybody says is better, one tackle, no no tackles for loss, no sacks, no pass deflections, one QB hit. And somehow he got rated higher. And he somehow got rated higher than, than TJ. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And and you could probably argue our offensive line is far worse than their offensive line. Oh, 100%. So, why Miles Garrett, uh, yeah, he's a great player. I won't, won't take that away from him. But we got to stop this debate with him versus TJ Watt. Yeah, I will say TJ always shows up when we play the Browns. Yeah. And Miles Garrett never shows up. When he plays the Steelers, unless he's beating the shit out of someone <laughs> I with a helmet. Say, yep. Which I, I said I said earlier on watching that game, you know, the NFL pardoned him because of how talented he is. Yeah. Um I think he should have been more severely punished for for what he did. That was an awful thing. So uh I'll, that's un unrelated, but yeah. Kudos to you, TJ and yeah, Miles Garrett. It it's the conversation should be done. That's yep, I agree. I agree. So you want to do some some awards? I think it's I think yep. it's worth some awards. Yep. Um, what do you want to start with? Uh, you know, I'm actually going to start with a tweet of the week. Okay. We're going to do jag off and balls. 
But I got to do this tweet of the week just because this is freaking awesome. I know we don't do tweet of the week, but it's worth it. This is worth it. This comes from none other than Permanis. And Permanis says, note, we will not be opening a restaurant in Canada. Canada stinks. Hashtag FYI, not talking about the country. <laughs> Amazing. They said exactly what everybody was thinking. Heck, that's almost worthy of the balls of steel, Permanis. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Shout out for Manny's. Um, Shout out for Manny's. I just had had to give you that. Um, let's let's go jag offs, and then we'll we'll end on a high note with balls of steel. Um, what are you gonna do for for a jag off? I'm gonna give my jag off to to Sean Watson, the Oof. the biggest contract in NFL history. And when their starting running back went out, he they thought he would carry the load, and man, he did not. The guy had two face mask mask penalties. <laughs> that both were drive killers. Like the one drive, they were they were crushing it. He put him in third and fifteen because of the face mask on Nick Herbig. Yep, he had two fumbles lost, an interception. For this, he got sacked six times. For this guy that's supposed to be the highest paid, he got the biggest contract. They traded three first round picks for him. He looked terrible. So I just I just want to say you're you're the jag off this week, Deshaun Watson. And shout out Nick Herbig. I don't know if you saw. I watched a play where he steamrolled the hell out of a tight end. Did he? He just he ran in there. He he pancaked him. I don't know. Can you pancake? Is it a pancake if you do it on defense? Sure. Yeah. So so know. he he just ran this guy over awesome. and got in for a tackle. I think it was on Jerome Ford. It was awesome. That's awesome. Hell yeah, Nick Herbig. Love it. Um. Okay. So. We talked about a few people I think that were worthy of the Jag off of the week. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson's a good pick. I'm actually going to go, I'm, I'm between two here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give one and I'm going to give an honorable mention. I'll start with the honorable mention. The honorable mention should go to this officiating group. Um, not necessarily because of the penalties. I do think there were probably not some great calls and some missed calls on both sides. Yeah. But I think the fact that you sat through a freaking 10-minute long review. Didn't they have 22 minutes total of reviews last night? Yep. And then you went backwards, right? We, we gained time. Yeah. It was like daylight savings. We gained time. Um, I guess falling back, whatever. Um, we went back into the first quarter, and then we had another first quarter break, right? Yeah. Um, it was 10-15 East Coast time at halftime. Yep. Um, just terrible. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think that's deserving. Refs, refs are so easy to complain about, so yeah. that's why they're not gonna get. And, the, and I uh, agree, it's good they got the they got it right. But twenty two minutes of reviews is nobody has time for that. Yeah, but here's my true jag off, and and you're gonna laugh at me, but for as much as this game was excruciating to watch, yeah, the thing that pissed me off the most. Yep, I already know. Was ABC putting up the other game on half the screen mm -hmm. without giving me the option to, to make it go away. Yep. The 13 to 7, 13 to 6 Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints shit show of a game that nobody cares about that was watching coming the out of my game. screen when someone gets in the red zone and they would not, they would not make it go away. Yeah. It was there for, for, and they did it multiple times. Yep. That made me scream at my TV more than anything <laughs> during the game. That's awesome. I was so pissed. That was really annoying. And you know what? Everybody's mad about that online, but I didn't even think about this. If you were watching on YouTube TV, split, split view, like mm -hmm. both games at once, you would have both games up and then have, the ABC split screen <laughs> inside of your split screen. Double trouble. You would have two sets of split screens. I mean, I don't know. I get they're trying to promote their other their other network, but like if you're gonna do Monday night football games like this staggered, don't Dude, don't be doing that. If we're, we're I could have switched to ESPN if I wanted to watch the other game. Right. Like we're watching this game for a reason. Yeah, we don't want to care about the other. You one. know, I like I like the little box score in the top, like it's March Madness, and you're and and you can track all the other games. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Fair. You can keep that up there, but but nothing else. Don't bring in the 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 freaking other screen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to get that. So, Jag off of the week, ABC. You get it. That was that was atrocious. Um, how about a balls of steel? Where are you going with this? Man, I I don't even know. I I don't even have one. 
Um, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna bail out and 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 I'm gonna take George Pickens. Okay. I mean that 71 yard touchdown was huge. We needed that so badly, and and like we said, he had 10 targets, only four catches, but he had 127 yards and a touchdown. We didn't have much going on offense, but he did the majority of the work. So he had all of what I think all but like 95 of Kenny Pickett's passing yards. That's that's pretty darn good. So George Pickens, thanks for showing up. You're my balls of steel. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I mean, I think Presley Harvin's a good pick. Yeah, I think Jalen Warren is deserving of it. You look at some of these drives we had on offense. Jalen Warren is the reason that yeah. we sustained some of those with with some yak and some some breaking tackles there. So Jalen Warren probably my honorable mention. But I'm gonna go here with the Steelers fans at Acrisure Stadium. Oh, that's a good one. Um, it just sounded so loud on TV. We had some friends of the pod there. The Fire Canada chants. I mean, Tomlin acknowledged um, in his press conference how awesome the environment was. Um, and we're just coming off of a week against the 49ers where we said it felt like everyone was selling their tickets and there yeah. was a lot of red and all that stuff. Now, granted, if you watched the 49ers who just played, I think it was the Los Angeles Rams. They were the entire stadium. That entire stadium was red. So we know the 49ers have a strong fan base. But but nonetheless, I mean, Steelers fans came came back for yeah. this Monday night game. So um, I think that's going to be my balls of steel. And they chanted um, Fire Canada very, very loud throughout the entire stadium. So that's awesome, too. Yeah. So we're running a little bit long. We're, we're going to go into a mailbag real quick and answer a couple of yeah, questions and then we'll do a, a real quick Raiders preview. But on, on that Canada note, I got a, a question from uh, a listener, a good friend of mine, Bob, he asked, um, I'm just going to throw this straight at you. I, and we talked about this last year. I think it's kind of a funny question, but it's totally legitimate. Do you think Tomlin keeps Canada around just so he can have a scapegoat? It's a great question. It's getting to the point where, yeah, it definitely feels like it. It seems like it, doesn't it? It does, because there's going to be problems, and I think Tomlin knows that, and he wants somebody else to blame, not himself. I, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating, right? We know that there's these ties here, these these friendship ties, but he just holds man. on. Yeah, Some he holds on to his, his, his loyalties are way too high. Like, you got to cut ties when, like way sooner. If this keeps up, I mean, if, if you keep playing games like this, and honestly, I mean, again, we're going to talk about the Raiders game here in, in just probably two minutes. But, I mean, our schedule leading up to the bye is nothing crazy. But if we go into this bye and all of a sudden we're we're two and three or something, I mean, yeah. we play the Raiders, the Texans, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens were were home, so there's a chance we can win that game. We're we're at the Raiders, we're at the Texans, but you know the Raiders have some playmakers, but they're not a good team necessarily, and the Texans no. stink. But if you lose two of these games, gosh, maybe then, maybe then you get a chance to fire Canada at the bye. Yeah, you know it won't be before then. So, yeah, and we have the conversation. There's there's challenges firing a coordinator midseason and who you promote and who you bring in. Right, but uh, something's got to change at some point. I think that's the only chance that it'll happen for us is is if we continue on this trend, winning really close games with our defense or not not much offensive production, and and maybe it happens at the bye. We'll see. Yeah, good 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 one. All right, so the, the, you got a question, the right? The question I have is from somebody you might know, uh, loyal listener. Uh, Hattie asked, "Do you think the oh. Steelers would have won the game if Nick Chubb didn't get hurt?" Hattie. Somebody you might know. Um, I think we would not have won if Nick Chubb stayed in. I think we would have lost the game. Yeah, that's a hard-hitting one. That's a tough one. I, I'm going to go the opposite way. I do think we win the game. Um, I think it's a lot closer to game and might have required us to score on offense in the second half um, or, you know, in the fourth quarter. But I do think they would have clogged the holes and, and tried to figure it out. And I, I think they could have. Yeah, I think they would have won the game. Interesting. We're split. Yeah. I, I really feel like I know he had 10 that he would have ran all over us. Yeah, he had 10 carries for 64 yards, but I remember their only touchdown in the second half was the long run by Jerome, Jerome Ford. Chubb probably could do that too, but 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe you make an adjustment. Your defense right. is your defense, right? They're going to keep us in the game. So, right. oh, great question. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um. All right. Well, let's move into a Raiders preview. Yeah, we'll and, hit these and, real quick and wrap things up. Yeah. Um. So it's another night game. Sunday night football this time. We're we're in Vegas. The Raiders are are one and one. They're coming off of a a game where they lost to the Bills. Um. The Raiders are uh. I don't know. I said, I, I don't think they're that good of a team this year no. without Derek Carr. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. Now they had a week one win against Denver, 17 to 16, nothing impressive. Um, and they put up 10 points against the bills here in week two. Um, the Raiders, we know they have a lot of playmakers on offense. They have a lot of big names, right? Josh Jacobs, Devonte Adams. But if you look at their stats this year, th- they haven't seen a lot of production out of those guys. No. So, um, they're definitely a team that has the star power, but if we can keep them in check, you know, I'm worried. We always tend to play down to our competition when we go out West. We always struggle against the Raiders too. Um, We struggle against the Raiders, but um, this would be a, a a game that would be really good to have. I think we should win. You know, here's, here's my fun fact about the Raiders. You know who their leading tackler is on defense right now? Yeah. It's Robert Spillane. I saw he had a big week last week. Robert Spillane. Robert Spillane, ex-Steeler, has really stepped up into a leadership role on that Raiders defense. Good for him. Um, so, yeah, good for Robert Spillane. So he's a guy we'll probably see and hear a lot of. And then the other name on defense is Max Crosby. Yeah. Uh, really, really strong defensive end on the Raiders. Um, expect him to to force pressure on the quarterback, get through. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at – we had Bosa week one. We had Miles Garrett week two. Um, there's going to be a lot of these these prominent defensive ends or defensive linemen that were playing uh, yeah. in the NFL. But their defense so. just is not as good as the first two, which will be good. And you talked about the playmakers on offense. Jacoby Myers was a guy who had a really big week one. He was out with a concussion last week, so we'll see if he plays. Devontae Adams left the game uh, in week two this past weekend against the Bills, so we'll see if he plays. Um, so it's their two best guys. Josh Jacobs is also trying to get back up to speed after missing most of training camp. So their offense has not looked very good. They're actually averaging less pa- passing yards per game and basically the exact same rushing yards per game as our offense. So if that mm. tells you anything and they're, they're scoring less points. So the, the, I mean, I know a lot of ours was defensive points, but they're not doing very well. And then their defense is mediocre as well. Uh, giving up more passing yards than rushing yards, but uh, still giving up a good bit on the ground, 138 per game and 216 in the air. So nothing crazy. Chandler Jones, who's their other good pass rusher, is not going to – he's not playing. He's out for personal reasons. It's actually some turmoil in the building, but it is their home opener. So I do expect them to come out ready to play, but I think the Steelers can go in there and get one. Just don't fall into the – don't fall into the trap of losing to the Raiders like they do every year. They don't have a big fan base that's going to be there. I think. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. That's true. I, no, that's I should true. say, I should say, I expect there to be a lot of Steelers fans yeah. there. It's probably a better way to this put it. This is the trip that all the Steelers fans will go on this year. Um, man, tickets are expensive. Did you have you looked? I did not. Their tickets are like it's like four hundred dollars just to get in the building. Dang. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Which is crazy, but I, I'm I'm hesitant to to make a score prediction or or talk about what I think is going to happen here. I think. I think if you look at it in terms of if you think our offenses are on par with each other and our defense is, is better than their defense. Yeah, it should be. On paper, that tells us we win. I, I don't think we're going to have any commanding wins, at least for a while. No. Um, I think this is going to be a really tough game to watch uh, from the standpoint of there's not going to be a lot of action. The over-under right now is 44. I think I mean, that's a low over-under. I think it goes... I think it goes below that. Actually, that's higher than the Browns game. But well, it was thirty nine against the Browns. Yeah, yeah, so I think it goes under that. I th- I'm expecting more of like a sixteen ten game or a seventeen thirteen game, something like that. A lot of field goals and and maybe a touchdown here or there. But I do think the Steelers pull go into to Las Vegas and pull it out. Will we get a touchdown offensively? Yes. Will Kenny throw it? Mm, yes. <laughs> I think we throw for one and we run for one. That's my. There's just so many questions I have that I don't even know. I don't even feel feel comfortable making a a prediction. I I don't know if Kenny's going to come out and and throw two interceptions. I don't know if he's going to throw two touchdowns. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if Jalen Warren is going to have more rushing yards than Najee. I'm like I'm I'm so torn. This is a good game. Lean towards us. Yeah, this is a good game to get right, and and I don't think we're right yet, no, obviously. No. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I feel good, though. 
I think we can go in there and have a good Sunday night. Hope so. Chris Collinsworth. Yep. Your favorite Can't wait. person. Yeah. He'll, he, he's already my jag off of the week. I already know. <laughs> yep. You, you can already pencil that in. Actually, you can write it in pen. You're ready to go. That's right. All right, guys. Well, we thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back with you guys after Sunday night football against the Raiders. Take care. And thanks again. Thanks, everyone. Peace.